It's been a great week. Christmas is my time of the year. I love Christmas better than any other holiday. I love that hustle and bustle, that, uh, that last-minute shopping, that anticipation of whether what I bought is going to ship in time to get to wherever it's supposed to go. I enjoy all of that. I love cooking. I enjoy family getting together and sitting around and uh, telling stories. And they told some on me last night, I'm not sure, are completely true. I think through the years they just add to it as they want to. Uh, but Christmas is a happy time of the year. But you know, this morning Christmas is over. We're moving into a new year. We're moving into a, a new step of life that we've not yet been. And uh, as I was I uh, got a call from Pastor the other night that he was not going to attend today uh, due to the fact that he was trying to make sure everybody was safe. Uh, my thought just immediately turned to me is, where does life go from here? On this last day as we, uh, as the last Sunday of 2021, as we look towards six days from now when a new year begins, and we look back the previous days of this year, and we see where we've come to and reached, what do we do now? Where do we go forward? A couple of weeks ago, I was driving through downtown Oxford, and I looked up, and I saw a building that I'm very familiar with, and it said, going out of business sales. I looked at it and I thought, wow, it's Stinson Jewelers. They've been there 40 years. Sam's sitting right over here that plays the guitar and sings on our praise team. That's been his livelihood for 40 years. But as of yesterday, it's closed. And now we begin a new chapter of our life. Well, I want to tell you, all of us are fixing to begin a new chapter of our life. Uh, every, every year as we move forward, we've got anticipation as to what the next year is going to bring, what we're going to become, what we're going to accomplish. And I read an article that John Maxwell wrote several years ago now. It's been around for a while, and you may have heard it, but I'd like to share it with you this morning. I'd like to share it. It says, Life Explained. And I'll tell you why we are where we are in life this morning it said it's not theologically correct, by the way, so don't, don't throw rocks at me. It says, on the first day, God created the dog. God said to the dog, your purpose is to sit by the door and bark at everyone who passes by, comes in, or leaves. He said, I just want you to bark, and for that, I'm going to give you 20 years of life. The dog said, bark 20 years, God? He said, I think that's a long time. I tell you what, I'll take 10. I'll bark 10 years, and I'll just give you back 10 of those years. And God agreed with him. On the second day, God created the monkey. And he said to the monkey, he said, your purpose in life is just to do monkey trips, uh, tricks, to flip, climb limbs, and entertain people. That's your purpose in life. He said, for that, I'm going to give you 20 years of life. The monkey thought... Monkey tricks for 20 years, flipping around here, entertaining people. God, I tell you what, I'll do like the dog. I'll take 10 years, and I'll give you back those other 10. And God agreed. On the third day, God created the cow. And he said to the cow, he said, your purpose in life is going to be to go out in the sun, uh, to, to labor, to have calves, and uh, to give milk to the farmer and support him all of your life. And for that, I'm going to give you 60 years. The cow thought just a minute. And he said, 
God, that's a lot of labor. That's a lot of work. I'm not sure I'm into that for 60 years. I tell you what, God, why don't I just do that for 20 years, and I'll give you 40 years back. And God agreed with him. On the fourth day, God created man. And he said to man, your purpose is to enjoy life, have fun, have children, and just enjoy all that is there uh, for you to have and to, and to have fun in life. And for that, I'm going to give you 20 years. And man said, what? Just 20 years? He said, I tell you what, God, I'll take my 20, and I'll take the 40 the cow gave you back, and I'll take the 10 the monkey gave you back, and I'll take the 10 the dog gave you back, and that'll make 80 years. What do you think about that? And God said, I agree. You can have those 80 years. So life explained this morning is that that's the reason for the first 20 years of our life we enjoy life. We go to school. We live off mom and dad. We uh, enjoy everything life has to throw at us. Some of you see this train coming, don't you? For the next 40 years, we work, we labor, we toil, uh, we sweat, we try to provide for a family, and we try to get through 40 years. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain our grandchildren. And for the final 10 years of our life, we just sit around and bark at anybody that comes close to us, I want to tell you. And that pretty much is life explained this morning. That pretty well sums it all up. But I, I think if you ask my family, they'd tell you I'm between a monkey and a dog right now. I like to bark at them sometimes as well as do tricks to entertain them. But uh, I just wanted to share that with you this morning because sometimes life doesn't make sense. Sometimes life is not as easy as we thought it was going to be. And to many, 2021 has been a year of hope, excitement, prosperity. Uh, they have really just enjoyed this year uh, like none other. To others that are close to you this morning, it's been a year of hardship, sickness, disappointment, a struggle, and so they're looking into this new year and say, and, and literally saying, where is life going from here? And as I stand today and I look at the close of 2021 and I look into 2022 and the evidence uh, of the circumstances around me, uh, that's some questions that I ask myself. Where will I be uh, at this time of 2022? What will next Christmas find all of us? Where will it find us? What will have happened or what had, will have transpired in our life over this next year? Ecclesiastes says that in all of us, God wants to have a part in our lives. In fact, God has created you in such a way that he, he longs to be a part in your life. In Ecclesiastes uh, 3 and 11, the, the Bible says he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. All of us were created whenever God created us with a void in our lives. We're not just a natural happening. We're not just a, a natural being, but God created us with a body a soul, and a spirit. We can find 
every way in the world to things of the world to supply and to satisfy our body and soul. But that spirit will only be satisfied one way, and that's to to enter into a life-giving relationship with its creator. That's what that longing is, and it can only be filled with God, by God. And no matter how hard you try to hide it, and I say this to people uh, that, are, that even claim to be atheists, you're still longing for something to fill that void. You may say there's no God, but there's still an emptiness there uh, that can't be filled with anything else today. It takes God to fill that longing. For many, the light and peace and joy of, uh, of Christmas have, uh, has been dimmed by uh, the uncertainty of the circumstances in your life. Many people have just lost purpose altogether. It's unbelievable that, that in this United States of America, in the past few months, over 30 million people have walked off and quit their jobs. I know one of you would raise your hand and say, you want me to tell you why? The why is not important. The fact is they've lost purpose in their life. They no longer find satisfaction in working and and laboring and, and doing what God has placed us here to do. They're looking for something to see where their life goes from here. It seems that in many cases that people have lost direction in their life to the extent that they don't want to live anymore. Pastor mentioned suicide here a few Sundays ago that's so prevalent in this Thanksgiving to New Year's time. And uh, one police report said that there's more suicides between Thanksgiving and New Year's than there is the previous 11 months combined. And so, as you and I sit here this morning in a house of worship, and we feel the Spirit of God move in our lives, and we uh, lift our hands, and we sing uh, songs, and we rejoice together, there are people out there in uh, in the world today that are trying to decide, do I even want to live to see tomorrow? They have totally lost hope and direction uh, in their lives. And uh, people everywhere are searching for something to fill that niche that's missing in their lives. And Paul found a group of people uh, just like that who were trying to find something to fill an emptiness that they had. That was trying to find something to fill a void uh, that was in their lives. And the Bible will be, began reading this morning. I think it'll be on the screens. Um, uh, Acts 17, beginning with verse 16, where Paul was in Athens. And he said, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Probably when God looks down at America today, he's distressed to see that America is full of idols. You may not have a creature or a creation or a piece of wood or a piece of metal that you bow before every day, but our lives are filled with everything else that we worship besides God. Uh, What is an idol this morning? An idol is something that you spend some more time with uh, than other things. There's some that it'll be this week. 
Their idol will be a ball game that takes place this Friday. And I'm not one that's against ball games whatsoever. Uh, but I want to tell you, whenever that takes the place of God in your life, it becomes your idol. It becomes your God. It becomes what you worship uh, this morning. And as we look forward into, into this next year, uh, we, we want to make sure that we're worshiping the true and the living God, a life-giving God that's able to make changes in your life today. So he reasoned in the synagogue with them, both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, and as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. I want to tell you something, church. All of us need to examine that verse very closely because it said Paul reasoned with those in the synagogue, and he had conversation with those in the marketplace concerning the idols that they worshiped concerning the things that they were allowing to consume their lives uh, other than knowing a real God. The church, it's time that we got outside these doors and had conversation with people about God, the only one that can make a difference in someone's life. A, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? What is it, Paul, that you're trying to tell us? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of Oropicus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know uh, what they mean. This morning for many in this world today to hear that God is, can make a difference in their lives and, and that God cares about where they are is a strange hearing. It's something that seems strange to them that somebody could care where they are, love them while they're going through what they're going through, uh, that's wanting them to become a better person, uh, that's wanting to reach down and walk beside them and change their life. That's a strange message in this selfish world uh, that we live in today where people more and more are only looking out for themselves. But he said, I want you to know those ideas are strong, are strange. And he said, all the Athenians and the uh, foreigners who live there uh, spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus and, and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. He said, I see that you're struggling to find something to fill that void in your life. I see that you realize that you're missing something, and so you are uh, devout, you've, you've devoted yourself to worship and to worship uh, these gods that you placed up there. He said, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and the God who made everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He said, I want to tell you, they're not in these beautiful buildings that you're going in. God's not that beautiful building. God is not that denomination that you're a part of. He's not, he's not 
uh, hemmed in or confined to, uh, to things that human hands are built. Uh, but the God that we are talking about is the God that lives in you and you don't go into uh, a building. He said for, let's, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, him, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. You know, I love it. That verse of Scripture says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Everything I've got in my life that's worthwhile come from God. Everything that I've got to be uh, thankful for today all came as a blessing from God. Everything that I look around the, today and I see uh, the world and everything that, uh, that God has blessed us with, it's a blessing from God that I am able to be a part uh, of this church and a part of its ministry and affiliate with the people that God places me there. He said, for one man, for, by, for one man he made, from one man he made all the nations that they should inherit the whole earth. Listen to this. And he marked out their appointed times. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God placed you and I here December the 26, 2021 by divine appointment. God chose you and I today to run this leg of the marathon. The baton has been passed on to you and I to run this leg. And whenever our race is run, I will hand it off to somebody else. And God has appointed this time for you and I to be on planet Earth. And if you're watching online today from wherever God has appointed you this time to be on planet Earth to serve and to carry out his mission. We need to understand that today, church. God is depending on us uh, to be the voice and the light and the salt uh, that makes a difference in the world around us. We need to understand that this morning that it's been laid in our hands. He said, uh, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps find him, reach out for him and find him, though he's not very far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. You are not simply a happen chance this morning. You are a creation from God. You are designed for a purpose and you find your direction in God. For some, direction has ended and they're waiting on a new direction and they're searching for a new direction to go. And I want to tell you, I believe this morning, as I heard one pastor say, uh, that many times midlife crisis happen because one direction has ended and they're waiting on another to show. And in the midst of that, they become vulnerable because they uh, get to the place that nothing is happening in their life. This morning, God has a direction for all of us. He has a direction for every one of us that we're not walking aimlessly through life. Because a lot of people today are sitting around looking at the screens, but there's nothing there. 
Their life is just void. They don't really have a purpose. They don't really have a direction. They are simply just existing. But that's not where God wants you to be, and that's not where God wants your life to go. In Psalms 139, God designed your life, and it says that, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Brother Ford, I get folks at the house early in the morning whenever I get up and I get ready, and I come out and I gently sing the old song, Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Yeah. I just aggravate them, you know, just, just. But that's true. Every one of you are wonderfully and carefully made by God to be what you are, to be where you are, to be the age that you are. You know, I, I, I see so many people today that don't have a, a real direction and have not set goals in life. Brandon, as you mentioned, they, uh, they, they never set a goal. And so how do you ever expect to reach something if you don't know where you're going and you don't know how you're going to pursue that? There are people that are just wandering through life. He said, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. He said, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knew you before you got here, folks. God knew whenever you was going to arrive before you arrived. He, he knew exactly. But, you know, if you, if you stop and ask yourself a question this morning, who's controlling your life? Who is in control of your life today? Who plays the main role in your everyday life? I can tell you for many, it is just fate. Whatever happens, happens, and then I'll deal with it. Whatever life throws my way, I'll just handle it whenever it gets here. But I want to tell you this morning... There are things thrown at us in life that we don't have a choice. Many of life's challenges today we don't choose. Things are whirled our way and we have to deal with. And if you're letting fate control your life today, you're not allowing God to get involved, and you don't have any choice but to be there and be a part of what's taking place. And so you're out, on, you're out on an island all by yourself whenever you don't have to be. You don't have to be in that position. You know, none of us choose. I don't know about you, but I didn't choose to be born. First thing I knew, I was coming out of my mother's womb gasping for air, wondering where I was and what in the world was going on around me. I didn't get to choose who I was. I didn't get to choose where I was going to be born. I didn't get to choose uh, who my parents were going to be. I didn't get a choice when I, whenever I woke up and I was born into this world that I heard some girl crying and it was Debbie Irwin. For you, for you that don't know, Debbie and I were born on the same day of the same year. I delivered by the same doctor in the same hospital. Uh, she's older than I am. I want everybody to know that by about two or three hours. 
But I didn't choose that. If I got to choose things in life, I would have made a lot of other choices today, folks. There's a lot of things if you and I could make choices in our lives, I'd be 180 pounds slim and muscular like my grandson Jacob instead of being 30 pounds short of a baby elephant. That's what I would have been. And I would have been able to sing like Brother Mark instead of so good looking. I'd have give some of that up in order to be able to sing if I'd have got to make those choices myself. But I want to tell you, there's a whole lot of life that we didn't get to choose because God designed that for you this morning. God designated where you would be born, who you would be born into, what your purpose in life would be. If we can just find that this morning. Will you say, is God writing all of this in my life? I do believe that's a whole lot of things in our life that God does write. I believe there are things in your, in your life and in my life that God does write. But I also believe that as Acts 17 says, God built boundaries. He puts you in the middle of those boundaries, and he allows you to make choices in your life. He's allowed every one of us to make choices for ourselves. I, I, I see that and for most of us, our boundaries are the United States, Alabama, Anniston, Harvest Church of God, that our boundaries have been set for this appointed time in our lives because that's where we are. That's where we are right now. Those boundaries have been set. But, I, but whenever you stop and ask yourself, well, who is in charge? If I didn't get to choose this, and God's not writing all of this down and determining every day that I'm going to do this, 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 and this, I want to say to you that you have the reins in your own hands. And as you make choices in life, you pull this rein or you pull that rein. But I want to tell you, whenever you make that determination in your life, that you want to fill that void with your, uh, that's left in your heart with the presence of Almighty God, as you begin to steer your life and you begin to make those choices, God gets involved in our lives. He doesn't leave us to fight that struggle alone, but He gets involved in our lives uh, to help us reach that place that He's already purposed us to be. There are four roles in life that all of us get to experience. There are four different places in life that you and I get to enjoy or get to walk through, live through, make our way through each one of these. The first role that many of us find ourselves, in fact, all of us have found ourselves in, and that's the role of a victim. Who is a victim? Well, a victim is a person who is the damsel in distress. That they can't help themselves. They need to be rescued, and you feel like there's no way out. Can you think back of a time that you were like that in your life? Let me say, no, I ain't been there. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life whenever... You think, well, I didn't, I've not chosen the role of a victim in my life. 
And then you sit and listen and you begin to tell the story of your life about what this one did to you, that one did to you, this happened in my life. If it hadn't have been for them, you say, well, I didn't choose that role. Somebody else put me in it because of what they did to me. There are orphans across this world today, and some may be listening today, that are still blaming parents as victims. Uh, they're living the victim role because mom and dad has not filled the expectation uh, that they thought they should have in their lives. Hey, I realize there's people hurt. I understand that. I, 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 I full understand that there are people that are distraught because, uh, because of relationships and broken relationships today. But you're only a victim if you choose to stay in that victim place. You're a victim because you've decided to stay there and begin to share that with everyone else. And let me tell you, whenever you get in that victim place and you decide to stay there, uh, you, you encourage and you uh, empower this next uh, uh, role in your life, and that's that of a villain. The victim says, I didn't do it. Somebody else done it to me. But let me tell you how bad it's gotten in my life. The villain is someone who is always ruining other lives, who are putting people down, and they are always looking to bring somebody else below the level that they're at, and so they criticize. They hate. They destroy. Playing the villain role. Have you ever been there? Absolutely. Let me tell you, I've stood in a pulpit and been a villain before. Absolutely. In my years of growing up and preaching, I've stood in the pulpit and tried to get even with somebody who said something or did something that uh, didn't sit well with me. Boy, I'd fire right back against them. You know, the one thing that we get into in, the, in this life, especially as a man, as a woman, I'll let you decide for yourself. But uh, my ego, you know, if you push on my ego, I'm going to push back. You know, I, I've one of those that you know, you've always heard when they slap you, turn the cheek. Well, I've always learned if you slap them first, they don't get to slap you. And that's kind of the way I've always lived life until I met God. Until I met God. I want to tell you, it's so easy for us to be that villain that wants to share our story. We want to criticize that person who hurt us, and we want to tell something that somebody else did to us and uh, try to tear somebody else down because we think, let me tell you, the person that will hurt you the most is the person that's been hurt. Hurt people hurt people. Uh, you know, I was, uh, me and my wife was on the way to a church we pastored out in Shannon many years ago, and there was a lady stopped at the top of a hill standing out by her car, and I stopped, and I said, uh, ma'am, can I help you? And she said, uh, I hit a raccoon, and I'm trying to find it so I can take it to the vet. I said, you better leave that raccoon alone because he will eat you up. Let me tell you, a hurt person will eat you up. And if you're hurt this morning, you guard your life because you are prone to eat somebody else up. You, every one of us have the opportunity to play the role of a victim or the role of a villain. But let me tell you this morning, even at that, why are they playing those roles? Because it makes them feel better about where they are. 
It just makes them feel better to share all of that uh, garbage with somebody. It, it, it just makes them feel better. If they can tear somebody else down, it makes them feel so much better about where they are in their life. The third role this morning that we have an opportunity to play is that of a hero. Saves lives. Swoops down. Rescues. Saves the day. Superman, Spider-Man, all of those heroes saving the day. How many of you like to play heroes? Not very many. I'm going to tell you what, there's few people who want to be a hero. Why? Because I don't think I can be a hero. I don't think that I'm big enough or, or, or strong enough or educated enough or qualified enough to be a hero. Martha, I hope you don't mind me using this this morning. Vic Gilliam was a soldier. I went to his, I met him and talked with him. Pastor and I prayed with him and led him to the Lord up in this hospital room. And he invited Christ into his life. But as they had his memorial services, they handed out a, a, a news clipping from, a, from another state that they had, wrote, that they had written about Vic. And Vic had saved numerous lives because of his action whenever he was fighting in a war. Vic thought nothing about that because that was just the way he handled things. And so uh, I say to you this morning, heroes is not some person uh, that's overqualified or, or some super duper somebody. It's an everyday Joe just like you and I uh, that is determined in our lives that I'm not going to let the setbacks keep me in a victim or a villain place, uh, but I'm going to be transformed by an almighty God and I'm going to be a person that tells people you don't have to stay where you are this morning. There's hope for your life. That hero that's able to look around and say, hey, all these bad things have happened to me too, but I'm not there. I'm so glad one day I met a hero. And they wasn't wearing a, a cape and a suit with their underwear on the outside, but uh, they, were, they were just a plain human being just like you and I. You don't have to be Superman to be a hero in someone's life. You just have to be willing to do like that good Samaritan did and that's walk down in the trenches and the ditch and tell them there's a better life for you than where you are right now. Uh, you can overcome what you're fighting right now. And the greatest area that you and I can minister are the areas that we have already overcome. Where God has made you and I overcomers, we need to share that with the world, uh, that you don't have to stay where you are uh, because I've walked that walk and I can tell you there is a way out. And that way is Jesus Christ. That way is following God in our lives. And God is calling all of us to take on that hero uh, mentality that want to to help other lives change. I love Romans 12 and 2, it says, in fact, it's been on my Sunday school wall over there for many years. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. Amen. Then what is the fourth role? 
The fourth role is that of a director. It's a guide. It's that person who helps the hero, who puts him in the right place, who gives that hero the ability to leap tall buildings with a single bound. He's the one that equips that hero with the right words to say in an instant, that gives you the right words to say when you meet a situation. First Peter 1 and 3. Olivia, come on and help me. First Peter 1 and 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to tell you today, there's hope for whatever situation you're in. There is hope for whatever you're facing today. There's nothing bigger than our God. Stop allowing fate to control your life. Because if fate is controlling your life, you're living a miserable life. You are living a life way below what God wants you to have. You see, I was a victim. I was in a place where I couldn't do anything about it. I was lost. I needed direction. Then I turned into a villain to where I wanted everybody else to be like me so I wouldn't be challenged by other people's lives. I wanted to make fun of and criticize those who were trying to do better than me. But one day I met a hero that said, God loves you right where you are. God knows what you've done. God knows where you are. God knows what you feel. You see, there's nothing new. And I tell you this morning, there's nothing new. Those of you watching online, there's nothing new under the sun. We're facing the same things that people have faced for generations and generations and generations. And God knows the answer this morning. God knows the answer. And if we turn towards God, God will send a hero. If you, search, if you seek for God, you'll find him because you'll find out he's not very far away. But I was approached by that hero that told me how to find the way. And then I met the guide who has been the author of my life since 1973. I want to tell you this morning, there's nothing like a relationship with a life-giving God. Day by day where you just get up in the morning and you take a time to do a devotion and a prayer and start your day off just hand in hand with God. I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know what next year brings. I don't know where my life goes from here, but I'm a, I want to walk that walk in the closest relationship with God that I am. So those of you this morning that are younger, you're enjoying the dog life, sitting around barking at everybody, the monkey life playing games, the cow life still working for a living. Yeah, we're all in some stage this morning. We're all in some stage of life, but there's not a stage of life that God has not ordained for you. Stand with me this morning.
Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for life. How precious it is. Lord, how precious the opportunity to be here today and to realize that you've ordained us, your church, to be in this world. Lord, as dark as things are around us, Lord, can we not look and see that the darker the world becomes, the brighter the light shines. And Lord, help each one of us to be willing to, Lord, transform our lives and have our lives be transformed by you uh, to be to want to be a hero to want to be one of those that spreads that gospel the good news of Jesus Christ Lord as we walk out of this doors the last Sunday of 2021 the next Sunday we walk in if you allow us to will be 2022 Help us, God, today to say the further the next step I take, I want to take in the right relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you give God a good hand clap of praise this morning? <laughs>